So day two takes us to Novo Antarctica, but in order to get there, we, as you have already explained, we had to take a different plane than what we originally planned to fly on. We were going to fly on a, a chartered plane, uh, very comfortable seats that recline, lots of food and amenities. We ended up on a uh, Russian cargo plane. Tell us, tell us about that experience. Yeah, so we were meant to fly in on a, a Boeing 757-200, which is a very nice chartered plane. And then we ended up on an uh, Illusion, which is a Russian cargo plane built for taking cargo, not people. So, <laughs> um, look, that was, that was a f- very unique experience to just be standing in that plane, like to be able to look around and – Sometimes I can't even describe, you know, the the inside of what that plane felt like and looked like to people. Um, But it's literally like in the movies when you see like military personnel jump out the back of a drop door on a plane, you know, stealth-like into some, you know, jungle in the middle of the night. That's literally kind of what it felt like because that was the setup of the plane and there were no comfortable seats and no you know, in-flight service and all of that kind of stuff. Like our food was strapped to the floor in front of us and we're flying (laughs) sideways. So it was totally military style and uh, it was very unique. I feel like that was a once in a lifetime experience. Like I don't know that I'm ever going to be on a Russian cargo plane again. Um, I would, I would agree with you on that. But comfort kind of went out the window as well. So um, it was definitely not a a comfortable ride and, um, you know, sleep was hard to come by and it was just an interesting experience. But I would um I wouldn't take that back in a in a second because it was just so unique and um it was just one of those things that helped make the challenge what it was. So um five and a half hour flight, I think, in total to get there. And uh, we were all pretty excited, I think, when we were on board. I don't know how you were feeling, John. When we strapped into those jump seats, I, I was thinking, am I gonna have to sit upright like this? Because they were those very uncomfortable, hard I guess there was a bit of a cushion, but it wasn't much. And, and it was completely vertical. It wasn't like a airplane seat that would will give has a little bit of give and goes back a little bit. You can recline a bit. You're just straight up and down. And I thought we were going to have to sit in that seat with those seatbelts that come over your shoulders and lock you in for the entire duration of the flight. And then as we got up to our cruising altitude, everyone just started to get out of their seats and lay on the the cold floor and use their bags as pillows and put on you know, additional clothing to keep themselves warm. People slept, people watched different things on their, their devices and, or listened to music. And I, it was much more enjoyable to lay out flat. It wasn't all that comfortable, but it was so much better than sitting upright. So I, I think from that, that perspective, I was very happy that we were able to, to come out of our, our seats and, and spread out a little bit because I didn't, didn't know how it would have felt if I sat upright for five and a half hours and then got off a plane and had to run a marathon. Yeah. And look, you were one of the smart people, I think, because I was watching everybody else do that. And um, I thought, look, that's, that does look like a good thing to do. But by the time I decided I would also jump out of my seat, there wasn't really a lot of room left. So um, I actually went down the back of the plane into the cargo hold and tried to make a makeshift sort of spot to, to lie down on top of the actual cargo drop door. And it was freezing back there. The um, the temperature at the back of the plane was just so much colder than at the front. So um, my attempt to sleep was not as comfortable as most of the other runners. But um, 
I remembered that for the flight home. So I made sure I got a good position to get some sleep on the way back. So when we got to Antarctica, we get off the plane and it was actually quite bright and fairly beautiful. It was certainly windy, but it wasn't crazy windy. And then the conditions just started to devolve incredibly fast. And I didn't understand what was happening. I First of all, I will be honest in saying I didn't realize it doesn't ever really get dark in Antarctica. I wasn't even informed uh, about that until we got there. Oh, okay. But I was just, yeah, I was wondering why it was taking so long to set up the race course so that we could start running. Because from the time that we landed, and I vividly remember the weather and how beautiful it, it was and how bright it was, to this time we started running, it felt like two different weather conditions altogether. It had gotten, it had gotten dark, and I don't mean dark as in no light, but certainly not the, the bright, sunny skies that we saw when we landed, and incredibly cold and incredibly windy. And I couldn't believe we were going to go run in that. I was just like, there was a part of me that was like, are they seriously going to put us out on this course and, and <laughs> let us go do this? I don't know. What were you thinking as we headed out for Marathon 2? Oh, exactly the same thoughts as you. I thought, what what am I getting myself into? What have I got myself into? Um, yeah, absolutely that same thought of like, do we do we really run in this? Like, surely there's a point where the race director team will sort of say this is unsafe, and that's kind of what it felt like. You know, when the the sun had just sort of gone down towards the horizon but hadn't set, it just turned darker as you described, and the wind. Like, I have never felt wind that strong in my entire life. Like. They called it gale force winds, so that's that's got to be pretty strong. And then, you know, the, the visibility was really low and it was just so cold. I couldn't even feel half of my body when we were about to start. And I thought if I have to be out here for a couple of hours, like I'm going to freeze to death. <laughs> so, yeah, there was um, there was definitely some a lot of self-doubt creeping in and a lot of questions around, am I going to make it today? I really felt like it was just too too big of a challenge to, to overcome just because of the conditions. Like you said, we landed and it was beautiful and it was spectacular and I felt like it was everything everybody talks about. And then we went indoors, waited for the race course to be set up, and then by the time we came out, it was like we walked out onto a different continent. <laughs> You're exactly right. So that course, if I remember, was 14 loops. It was a little less than two miles per loop. Is that is that right? Yes, yep. Okay. And one loop or one, one direction of the loop was directly with the wind at your back. And then the other way was coming right back into the wind. And you talk yes. about the wind. And so the first loop, I ran the entire thing. And by running, I loosely jogged the entire first loop. But I was trying to figure out what, I, what kind of strategy I could put in place to get through this thing. And I'll tell you this. No one knows this. This is the first time I've ever told anyone this, except for Jeremy, the videographer that came with us because he helped me with this, but no one knows that this happened. So I take off on the first loop and with the wind at your back, you had no choice but to run. I feel, I feel like it would have been harder to walk because you were being pushed forward and you just naturally wanted to, to move that direction. Yes. Coming yeah. back. Yeah. Coming back into the wind, it was so bad. And I agree with you. I've never felt anything like that in my life that I, I felt like walking was a better strategy than running because I felt like I could actually keep upright better at a walk than trying to run. So I, my quick strategy was run 
with the wind at my back, so one direction, and then walk with the wind in front of me the other direction. And I thought that would be the best way to get through all 14 loops. Now, here's what I'll tell you that no one knows. On loop number two, I felt my feet felt funny and I didn't understand why. I wear custom orthotics because I have a really bad pronation when I run. My right foot collapses inward. And so I've run and trained in orthotics for quite a while. And the shoes we wore in Antarctica were different than the shoes that we wore in Cape Town, South Africa. I forgot mm-hmm. to take the orthotics out and put them in my my running shoes for Antarctica. Oh, so no. on lap two, I was I was caught in this situation where I either go back to the the little storage container area where we were kind of hiding from the weather and get my orthotics and, and put them in my shoes, or I run an entire marathon without my orthotics. I decided to go back. So I veered off the course in loop two. And it was, if you recall, it was quite the journey back to those storage containers. It wasn't like it was right next to the race course. Mm. So I had to, to go all the way back to the storage containers, take off my shoes, take off my socks, put the orthotics back in, re-put on my socks, re-put on my shoes, and then go back out and continue on on the uh, the run. I probably lost a good 20 to 30 minutes doing that. Now, that doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, there was no sort of record being set in Antarctica by anyone, I don't think, even Christina. But it was just an extra amount of time that I had to spend out on the course because of my lapse in in, in oversight in figuring out that I needed to put my orthotics in my in my shoes. But that was my personal little uh, experience that I had in Antarctica that I'll never forget because I really did, as I was running that second lap, I really did have to wrestle with, do I, do I want to veer off the course right now? Cause I didn't, I didn't, I want to lock, I wanted to lock in and just do what my strategy told me to do, which was run one direction and walk the other. But I had to go get these orthotics. Otherwise I felt like I would have injured myself or really could have caused problems in the next five marathons that we had to run. So that was something I had to deal with. But what strategy did you come up with, if at all, for the the course in Antarctica? Yeah, well, firstly, thanks for sharing that. I think that that um, is an amazing point. Like you had to make a critical decision in that race. And for us as runners in the moment, that's actually one of the hardest things to do. So I have so much respect for you that you were actually able to you know, take the time to consider like, what am I actually going to do here? Because it really can make the difference mentally for how you're prepared to finish that race. Like for you to actually have it to leave the course, go and run all of that distance, find your orthotics, put them back in your shoes and then get back to the race. Like that would have taken extra time and effort and energy. And then you knew that you still had a marathon to finish after that. So Um, I think that that's fantastic to share that because it really does help people understand the psychology of what we go through um, as runners because sometimes everything doesn't go according to plan. And in the Antarctic that day, I don't think anything was going according to plan. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm super proud of your effort to do that. And I I love hearing those uniqueness moments about what we put ourselves through as runners and and what we're able to overcome because I think you're right you know for you just to go out and complete that would have been one thing but for you to overcome those same conditions and have that to deal with it's like this whole extra layer of psychology we have to get through so um kudos to you man thank Um, you (laughs) when it comes to race strategy 
again, I think it was more uh, reacting to the situation of what we were going through. So you're completely right with the with the race course. I felt like one side of it, which is, you know, a very long side, was just all this wind at your back and it gave you this extra, you know, momentum and you were really excited and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can actually run and I can run at a really decent pace. So um, as you mentioned, when I started Cape Town, I was running with uh, Linda from the US as well and she was phenomenal and we really stuck together for the Antarctic as well. Uh, we were running at a very similar pace and, and we did that first lap and discovered, you know, this long side was really good and then as you turned around and faced this almighty wind, um, that it was it was almost more difficult to try and run than what it would have been to just try and walk as fast as you could and just get it done. Um, and one of the other difficulties I was having with an equipment perspective was that I was wearing sunglasses, not goggles, which was a huge mistake, I think, on my part, um, just because of the condition. So it meant that part of my face was exposed to the wind and it also meant that um, the the ice and the, the conditions and everything were actually getting in my eyes and into the goggles as well. So um, I couldn't barely see what I was doing and that was a major problem for me. <laughs> um, so I, what I ended up doing um, is that same strategy of run one side and walk one side, but the, the side that we walked, I literally couldn't see where I was going. So I had to walk beside Linda and stare at her feet to make sure that I was staying on the course. Um, which was fairly interesting because once you do one lap, that's fine. But when you start doing 14 laps of that, um, it definitely made for some for some challenging conditions. So um, it was lap by lap for me. It was like, you know what, I can't think about this entire marathon. I just have to get this next loop done. And I'm going to get the next loop done and I'm going to jump into the, you know, um, uh, the, the aid tent and I'm going to see if I can try and get some, some fluid or some food in and then I'm going to keep going and I'm going to do the next lap. And then we're going to do the next lap. And then we're going to do the next lap until this thing is done. And uh, I think that's the only way we got through. You know, the, when I describe the conditions to people, they're like, oh, that would have been so much fun to run a marathon in the Antarctic. I'm like, fun's probably not the word I would use to describe <laughs> what we went through. <laughs> um, it was probably more brutal than anything else. Um, just the, the temperature combined with the wind and um, like normally it would take me about four hours to get a marathon done and I, it took me over seven to do that one. So it just shows you, you know, the, the type of conditions we were in and how much that slowed us down. You know, there were points in that run where I just thought, stuff it, I'm done. Like I can't do this anymore. I feel like my body is going so low in temperature and I just can't stay warm enough. You know, everything hurts. I can't see properly. This is crazy. You know, I'm going to freeze to death out here, so I'm just done. And you just have to kind of overcome whatever you're facing in your mind to just keep pushing through. And, and I felt like that's what we did on that day. How did you, I know you shared a little bit right there towards the end of what you were just explaining about fighting back that desire to quit. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Meaning there were, that's a question I'm asked a lot. When, in, when did you break during this entire journey? Did you break? Was there ever a point where you were really debating quitting? Was there, uh, a point where you felt like you couldn't go on. Did you have that in Antarctica at all? Oh, absolutely. I I feel like the Antarctic, because of the conditions that we were in, almost felt like its own run. Like, of course, we're doing all of these runs together that make up an event. And it, it was so different and so drastic 
compared to what I'm normally running in. Like just to stand in those conditions as a human and try and survive is one thing. But we were performing. You know, we were trying to get a marathon done. A marathon is like one of those things that you have to push yourself and your body to do to complete in ordinary circumstances. So I feel like what we were doing was just so out of the ordinary, to be honest, and it was like its own little um, or its own massive event of, of its own, really. And while I was running, um, there was so much to overcome mentally and physically that when I described the moments of when I wanted to quit, I almost feel like it was the whole time. Like it was just this consistent battle between mind and body and I just have to find a way to keep going. And it wasn't like, you know, I stopped at the aid tent and that's when I had my moment. Like there would be moments where I was walking into that wind and I was just crying my face off. Like <laughs> there were just tears rolling down my face and then freezing on my face because it was so cold. And I was just in so much pain and so much agony and so much um just faced with so much challenge and I thought how can I possibly go on how can I stay out here for another you know let's say eight laps I have eight more laps of this to do and each lap was taking me about half an hour so I calculated that in time and I thought I just can't stay out here for that long like my body's not going to survive so yeah most of the race I think I felt like I wanted to stop just because there was so much against you but then you know, when I really started to get towards the end and we only had a couple of laps to go, I then sort of switched mentally into I've come this far and I'm not pushing myself through all that I have done in the last few hours to not finish. And I just couldn't I couldn't fathom having done everything that I'd done that day and pushed so hard and then not finishing. It, no matter how painful it was, I just couldn't bring myself to think about not finishing. I love that honesty because I think it's easy after an event, after a race, after everything has calmed down and you've rested and you feel better to armchair quarterback the experience and say, ah, it wasn't really that bad. It w but you're really sharing some insight. I, I would call it not just insights, but inside knowledge about what that experience was like. And I echo a lot of same, the same things that you're saying. It was it was a conversation with myself for 14 laps. And it was some of those, those times, those conversations were not fun to have and, and they were tough. And, and I just had to keep finding ways to play little mental games with myself to get through the next lap. And so I did a lot of the same exact things that you did. And I appreciate you sharing how tough that really was, because I think for people that are on the outside looking in, and, and I'm speaking specifically to the people who have not done this, it's hard to appreciate what that was like unless you were there. And I don't want to make it worse than it really was, but it was pretty damn bad. And it wasn't, and I did feel what you felt at one point, how are the race directors or the, the race director and the race crew allowing us to be out here right now? How is this safe? People yeah. were, were slipping, falling. The ice was, you know, very, very difficult to navigate around the turns. I saw multiple people falling and, and I wondered how that was even even a safe place for us to be running at that point and in those conditions, whether we were going to have someone really get uh, terribly hurt. And I'm glad no one did. I, I know people fell, and, and fortunately, I think everyone was was okay. And But I worried about those things, and I thought about those things. I thought about them for myself. I thought about them for my fellow competitors, and I was, I was concerned with that. And it, it just made 
me appreciate the gravity of that situation a little bit more and how how truly difficult that particular race was. And I think you said it best in its uh, in describing it by saying it was its own race. It really was a separate race from the seven that we did or the six mm. others that we did because it was so unique and so different than the other ones and and such you could talk we could do an entire podcast just on antarctica oh, and spend 100 yeah spend hours talking about right just about antarctica that's how unique it was where you couldn't yeah. do that with everywhere else tune in tomorrow to hear beck and jonathan talk about their near 24 hour flight to australia race number three